Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So today my guest is London-based entrepreneur Xenia Mirella. She founded her jewelry brand in 2019 after working in the industry for six years and uh, finding her ideas being misinterpreted and not realized to their full potential. Uh, we'll talk about building a personal brand, building a brand that is matching her name uh, and all the usual challenges of entrepreneurship. Thank you for joining us, Xenia. It's nice to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'm so happy that I get to share the story. Um, I can start with a little bit of the background. Um, I'm pretty much a first-generation Eastern European immigrant. Um, I was in London, didn't really have any connections or family working in the industry. And there was a, I mean, coming from a very strict background, you you were expected to to know what you're going to do you're expected to go to the university and I kind of um, decided to divert from that track I took a gap year which was uh, a little bit unheard of in my family um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean it's, it's pretty usual in London um, for for the students to take a gap year but uh, my mother went completely crazy um, <laughs> but um I, I'm with an Eastern background. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm glad you understand. It's funny, yeah, it's funny. I sometimes have guests that, like, even without their name giving it away, I'm reading their bio and they're like, you can do the piano, speak four languages, I graduated in physics, and now I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, you come from the East. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know exactly how the parenting works. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm glad I've done that um, move. I think it's different. And I think, um, it's, I mean, for my culture, it was different, but it, it gave me a quite good eye opener to the different possibilities of what I can do. Um, I didn't plan on working in the jewelry industry. It just so happened. I mean, the story is quite funny, actually. The first boutique that I popped into and I didn't even realize I was speaking to the owner. I kind of just went to him. I was like, <laughs> do you have a job? And I just start talking, didn't have a CV, nothing on me. Wrote my number on a post stick and I said, you have to call <laughs> back. And yeah, the next day I got the job and I stayed there for six years, learning ins and out of the industry, pretty much doing everything from sales to minor repairs to understanding how to build a jewelry piece for, um, let's say, a bespoke order for client um, back office in terms of um, running the company, doing the micro accounts for, let's say, end of the week. So slowly building an overall knowledge of how this industry and the business works at the same time as building a pretty good contact base um, for myself. And um, again, building a reputation as well as a trusted source, as someone that a client can contact as well, not just a client, but also an industry professional. Um, That takes a lot of time, especially with no recommendation, no kind of background. Mm. Um, it, It takes a while for people to get 
used to you or to trust you as well in the industry mm, which is really. um yes yeah, yeah. so i kind of got to the stage where it was graduation year at out oh, i forgot to mention parallel to that i did have to go to the university it <laughs> 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 wasn't an option i had to i think uh, the only option i had is either to choose law economics or medicine so i mm. kind of went into law so i thought it's a bit more practical i can um go into a range of industries. Uh, so I graduated, I was about to graduate um, with my legal degree. And that was when I kind of sat down and I was like, okay, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to go into business or how am I going to work this? Or am I going to go into a legal sector? Do I actually want to pursue a legal sector? And that's when I was like, yeah, that's, that's completely separate to what I like I, I don't enjoy it it's not my passion the money could not entice me it just it was not something I enjoyed to do at all so uh, yeah it was uh, from that moment I kind of clicked and I was like okay we, we need to build a business here mm. I love the way you're kind of brushing it off like oh I was doing this and I was doing this and you know all the entrepreneurial like uh, learning and and getting into that industry and like oh and by the way I I graduated to law you know that's that thing. <laughs> Sorry. 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 I have a I have a puppy here, so it's uh, oh cute. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's cool. I I have a huge dog, but he's like he's bored of me doing interviews, so he doesn't get involved anymore. Sorry, that's very cute. What is it as a puppy? Uh, he's a Pumchi. He's a Pomeranian mix of Chihuahua. Sorry, can oh, I really? Just... I yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> can I just grab him? So... I think he's a bit more calm when he's with me. That's it. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Are you cute? <laughs> he's so cute, but uh, yeah, he doesn't like our neighbors. <laughs> he likes to bark at them. <laughs> <laughs> oh well who likes their neighbors uh, anyway yeah so let's talk about the brand so you decided in 2019 after um, law is not for you so you decided to launch yourself into um, your own jewelry brand how did that go what what sort of challenges did you did you meet and also how, what was the process of uh, naming because we do focus on naming and branding a lot what was the process of choosing to use your name as the brand name um actually that period of um establishing a business was probably the most challenging year of my life because i i mm. did have um a couple of months where I tried to go into law just to confirm that it's not something I want to do. Um, and then parallel to that, I was still working at the jewelry store. And then on top of that, I was trying to set up this jewelry brand because one of the reasons why I wanted to do that is something that I enjoyed, but not only that, it's something that I knew how to do. That's probably one of the mm. things that I had enough experience to feel confident to set up a brand. Mm. Um, at the beginning, I had a business partner with me. So I had a, a lady called Victoria. She was working in the same jewelry shop, actually. Um, but she was doing more of the behind the scenes, the admin, um, more of the paperwork side. So she was not really participating in the creative side of the work. So mm -hmm. drawings, designing, 
she was not really that wasn't really her specialty so I kind of sat down and I've done a research to within the luxury industry what is the most common practice in terms of naming a brand and if you haven't mm. looked at most of the luxury brands let's say Louis Vuitton, Hermes, um, mm. most of them they do use a family name they they go with something to do with the family they go something to do with the founder um, mm-hmm. again the location where they based in so that was kind of the easiest step. I suggested that we use a name. Um, it, we didn't really know how we wanted to incorporate the name into the logo design. We, we did have a piece which we wanted to use, which was a chess piece for our icon designs. So we kind of had to play around with the name to match the logo. So it all kind mm. of goes together. The, the design makes sense. Um, one of the big problems I had as well is the fact that I have a very long Eastern European name. So I, I did not want to use that. I didn't really want to have a luxury brand name associated with it, with this um, region. I mean, as much as I love my background, um, I don't really want to have much association with it because I, I was not connected to it. I just wanted to build something different, something unique. Um, this is why I shortened the name uh, and I ended up using Ksenia as my first name and Mirella as my middle name. And then we ended up with London because that's where everything started. Mm. That's where my love for jewelry began. That's where the brand is established as well. I think that's important to to mention. And in terms of logo as well, it it looked symmetrical. It looked uh, suitable for the chess piece design. And Mm. Tori agreed that she liked the way it looked and we were happy to go ahead with that. I think the biggest challenge that we faced is, again, coming from a legal background, I knew that this could be a problem. When you try to find investors or other people to come on board and work with you that want to put money into your brand and that want to have a share within your brand. A name is a big factor because from a legal background, um, it's a lot that is associated with that name. If you build Mm. a brand based on your personal branding, it's completely different to then building a brand which is separate to to your personal Mm. brand. It comes a problem when someone is investing. Are they investing mainly in your personal brand or is it the actual jewellery designs? You, so you have mm-hmm. to really have a good, um, clear design separation between your personal brand and the name. Mm. So that was a challenge that I knew was gonna um, was going to come about at some point, and it did when we had an investor. Um, but um, we managed to persuade them that actually, you know, it's, uh, yes, that there is a name, but the birth the brand is not based just around my persona, mm. based around the designs, which are more important. Mm. And I, I think it helps, like you mentioned, that that works for for luxury fashion related brands. It's not it's not the same for everyone. Like um, I've seen and I've worked with a lot of uh, businesses that are more like consultancy based or or even like product 
services based where they start off with the name of the founder or something related and then they find themselves locked into that position of oh now we need to expand because we're you know offering another thing or like you mentioned we're having problems with investors etc so it's it's really important if if i was to summarize that as a takeaway to to our audience to do what you did at the first step where well you with your legal background i think you were better prepared than most but still to just take that seriously and think about you know what what do that's a great first step actually doing the research and i'm amazed so many people don't but we even on smart branding we have um, loads of articles where we look at different industries and what are the names that companies choose in those industries and you can easily spot some trends and learn from things and people don't do that. It is, it's just crazy. 100% and it's actually quite interesting how the name um, which is related to the to the brand owner within the luxury industry is more common and it's a wider mm. practice in the Western world than it is, let's say, in Russia. Or mm. so if you have a look at Eastern European side of countries, it's very uncommon for them to use their name. Um, and it's actually sometimes seen as old school. Like they, mm. they don't really like to use the name for, let's say, a beauty salon or a clothing. Mm. For them, it just doesn't sound right. But for a Western world, it works completely different. So you have to also mm. At your target audience, I think, as well as the demographic that you're trying to reach. Mm, absolutely, yeah, that's true. And in, in these step, I feel that there's that thing as well. If a brand is named by a person, you feel like it's a small brand because you know it just it's just that person. It's like almost like they're working from home, which is not mm-hmm. at all the perception you have in the West. So it's very different, yeah, and it has to be taken into account. And also it has to be taken into account with the future in mind because you might be starting out in one location, but then, like, you know, you have to think about where you're going to be in five and ten years. Exactly. And I'm pretty glad that I haven't used my full name. It's the same reason, straightforward, the political situation that is happening right now with mm. our countries. Um it wouldn't have looked good for for the business and considering i have investors and business partners that i have to um accommodate and i have to make sure that that their investment is secure um Mm. that would have been a problem at this stage if it was named differently so Mm. um again um this is why I like to make sure it's a bit clean on for the future. You know that if anything happens, that there's nothing wrong mm. with your brand and you can move forward. Mm. Absolutely. Talking about um, yeah, the, the brand. So how how do you market yourself? I've, I've no actually experience in jewelry marketing. Um, I would imagine it's it's similar to many luxury items, but how much would you say? Um, do you rely on on social media, on on like your own domain mailing lists, direct marketing? What what is the the picture looking like there? So I, I think from from the start when I mentioned that building a very good client base, it's very mm. um, a luxury item is a very difficult item to sell because a luxury item is not an item that you need, and mm. a luxury item is the the one that you want. So it's um, you have to have a client base. You have to have a, a good selection of people that can vouch for you. So when they buy your product, starting as a friend or a, a good contact, and they can then 
go off and market this to to their sister, to their family, to their friend. So I think that this is how I started. So personally, when the brand was launched, I had a selection, pretty much a black book of contacts, which I went through and I said, hey guys, this is my brand. If there's something that you don't like, if there's nothing that you want to have, it's absolutely fine. But can you do me a favor and just spread the word that this is my brand and this is what I'm doing at the moment. Mm. This was the first step. Um, I think then going into social media and figuring out how influencer marketing works was the big step. We had a PR company, um, a separate PR company that worked with us uh, for a while. And we realized that the feedback from influencers in terms of monetization, it wasn't great. It's great for brand awareness, but Mm. then it's not as important, we found, as actually targeting a smaller group of individuals. So let's say working with a private polo club or a mm. private members club worked out much better and much more profitable for us than actually working with high name influencers or PR companies because mm. you're, you're directly targeting that purchase uh, group, the, the consumer group. You, you're mm. a third party influencer in between you. Mm. So, but that's probably completely different for a normal brand, a brand that's mm. producing a service or a brand that's producing um, a household item which is required or um, mm. which is a more of a necessity. Mm. Because, again, I understand that jewelry is not a necessity. Jewelry is a luxury. So it's um, it's a completely different way of working so Mm. as long as you understand that as long as you're prepared to adjust when things are not going right in terms of your marketing then that's absolutely fine Mm. I think there's something in common in that um, what you mentioned that having a direct connection with your customers works much better than um, like influencers or social media advertising. And I think that that is the case with other brands as well. It's not just about luxury. It's just that they don't um, realize it, I think, that quick. A lot of people get like high on that hype of, oh, we got so many shares and we got so many clicks and we got so many whatever's you know, uh, likes. And, and it's like, yeah, but what does that translate into? You know, what does it mean? Um, so it's something that I see luckily, or like I'm happy to see a lot more brands getting aware of the, the value of building that direct connection with their customers, whether it's, you know, just driving them directly to the website, uh, mailing lists and newsletters. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel I feel that's that's a trend that that we're seeing, and that is a good one to see. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. In terms of for me, I think if I don't see the monetary result, I'm hmm. pretty good to to move on. If it doesn't hmm. work, it doesn't work. A business is not a hobby. A business has to give you money it has to pay your wage it has to pay everyone that's working so it's um if it doesn't work i know as much as it's uh, as much as we wish the influencer thing was working i think it did at the beginning but now the market is oversaturated so it's just not worth going with that it's 
again, if, if you want to build a hobby, then fair enough. But if you want to make mm. money and it doesn't work, then why go with the same strategy? Mm. Absolutely. How has technology affected, or does it at all? Like, I'm, I'm personally very curious because obviously, you know, you have the website, you have your marketing, like everything in one way or another touches digital nowadays. But does that go beyond that? Does technology affect? Because jewelry is something that is like very ancient as a um, as a as a thing, as an item, as an industry. And uh, does it does it change like in in the time that you've been working with it? Does it get affected by like what trends and 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 things that we see happening in our lives daily? Uh, yeah, it, it does actually. Um, I mean, the old school of um, making a custom piece. Let's say a, a big part of my um, sector right, right now is producing custom piece jewelry. So it's a bespoke design that a client comes in and he says, I want something that looks like this, but I just want to change it in a slight way. So you then have to go away and the, and design a piece for the client. And the old school mm. doing things was to make a sketch, um, get, let, let's say a Vax, uh, model or a, a silver casting of, the end piece and just hmm. present that to a client right now it's a bit more straightforward you can do a 3d rendering mm. had design which will take you maximum three days de- depending on how complicated the design is and mm. it speeds up the pr- process but it also increases your competition because let's say i would personally prefer to work in the old school style mm. Um, it's time consuming. Not everyone wants to wait. They would prefer to have a 3D design. Um, mm. They want things to, to go quicker. Um, and it's just not, it, it's not just the individual client. It's also within the industry. You have to be quick on trends. Although no matter how much I hate following the trends, you, you do have to look at what's happening in the industry and you have to adjust. Mm. The quickest way to adjust is not through the old school jewelry designs mainly through working with the 3D printer, working with the castings, uh, working online. Mm. Fair enough, but sometimes if you want that extra quality, if you want just a, a slight better finish on, on the product, um, it, it will be more time consuming. And you do want to spend more time as a jewelry designer just so that whatever you produce is up to your standards as well. Mm. So it's it's kind of a balance. I, I try to explain to my clients the difference. Um, but again, I, I can't force them to, to go. Mm, obviously, yeah. And who are your ideal clients? Uh, so the range is um, slightly different. So most of my clients are actually in Middle Eastern. Um, so we've done quite good business in Qatar, in Saudi, um, in UAE. Um, those are our main demographics. Turkey as well, done really well for us. Um, they're a bit more open to exploring different possibilities. They're, they love custom-made jewelry. They love mm-hmm. something which is unique, um, which is great because it's something that we enjoy as well. Um Whereas with the British clients, they prefer the classics. They prefer to go with the collection, which is already made, which mm-hmm. they have seen already. And they had a reference from, let's say, 
their friend or someone that they know. Um, it's mainly, most of our products are based for ladies. So most of our marketing is pretty much directed to, to the female demographic. We have an occasional male client that wants something bespoke, but since most of the marketing is towards ladies, we kind of miss out on the male demographic at the moment. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we're working out for the future. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess men buy for for like their girlfriends or their wives as well, don't they? Yeah, I've, I've seen uh, around around holidays because uh, I'm in in Nice in France and I'm often in Monaco as well. Like around any female related holiday or any holiday actually there's like all the advertising and it's, it's mainly targeted actually at men <laughs> to, to you know buy stuff for their their wives or girlfriends or whatever yeah yeah i, I mean we had a, an interesting story recently where a guy wanted to buy a necklace for his girlfriend but ended up having um ended up keeping it for himself and getting another one for her, <laughs> which is great i love it um, <laughs> that's cool <laughs> But uh, that's probably uh, an unusual situation. But uh, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> good. So uh, yeah, last question: What is next? What are you looking forward to this year? What What are you? What's interesting and happening with with your business at this moment? Uh, yeah, it's um, actually I'm trying to work. As I said, I'm skipping out on a large section of the demographic, which is a male population. That's probably the main aspect of the business is to cover our marketing strategy better. Um, Also, at the beginning, I said that I want to differentiate between the brand and the personal brand. But as time goes on, I am becoming aware that it is important, no matter how much I don't really enjoy um, doing videos or talking Mm. on camera because just I'm quite a shy person naturally. I do understand that I can't really escape that and you have to work on that. You have to present your own product because there's no one out there that can mm. present your product better than yourself, which is uh, something I think I have to work on personally. But mm. <laughs> we'll try our best. It's going to have fun. I'm, I'm the same. I'm like not, I mean, it, it's hard to believe when I get talking because I, I can talk a lot, but generally I'm, I'm, even with what we do, like the podcast, that was a challenge to start. We used to do them in writing. And, and then there was a few people who asked for video. And then we went into the audio. And, and just naturally, like more people were interested in both participating and listening to those. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to do more of those. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's really great actually once you get to it it's it's a live conversation there's so much more that you actually miss if it's just in writing and i i'm trying like yourself to to bring myself up to do more of that so you know do more like videos or podcasts or things where you talk about what you do i think even if you put yourself on your clients in your client's place and and you see in that you know sea of content what you prefer seeing yourself is usually something that's you know authentic that's a person talking like a person about you know what they love doing so yeah that's definitely the way to go yeah i need to 100 uh, percent. i think uh same here the 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 life scenario is kind of going to push me towards doing what's best for the brand i can feel it that i'm doing a bit more in terms of interviews and going on video um but yeah it's just uh, it all kind of comes in naturally great well that's a good thing to look forward to thank you for joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure
Thank you for having me. And excuse my puppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. We have puppies joining in sometimes. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.